Shauna and I are designing some lights. It's hard to say exactly what they are. Basically, last week we started learning this Japanese wood burning technique called shosugiban. We decided to design these、uh, lights based off of this technique. So I was chiseling outside. It must have been like 92 degrees. And I was going for like an hour. And I think because I was sweating, I hadn't realized it. My hand slipped as I was cart, you know, getting、oh, this、no. little piece of wood out.、Uh, and so the chisel, with the full force of my arm, flew off of the wood,、oh. skidded over it, and slammed directly into my right ring finger. Oh、um, my God. And basically, basically, like cut it in half.、Uh, and the wood, the, the chisel is this beautiful, beautiful white paper steel chisel, <laughs> which is extremely hard and sharp. You know, you couldn't have picked a better thing to,、uh, to slam into your finger if you wanted to chop it off. So that happened. But that beautiful,、uh, beautiful white finish is now stained with red, probably, huh? You know what? There wasn't actually any blood until I got up and left. And, and my chisel's clean, too.、Um, Whoa. <laughs> and with any accident, you should take away some safety tips. <laughs>、um, for me, number one, I should have been wearing gloves and I was not. Ooh. I even have gloves and I just didn't think that I did, but I do. I, sh- I shouldn't have put my hand in the danger zone.、Uh, <laughs> I, I have other ways of holding the wood and、um, I shouldn't have been working while my hands were wet from being in the hot, humid New York weather. So I'm pretty frustrated. I, I can barely do any computer work. And、uh, I can't, I'm frustrated that I can't finish these lights until, I don't know, a couple weeks from now at least. Yeah, I was just about to ask, like, your, your, your finger's one thing, but like, how's the lamp <laughs> turning out? The lamp is beautiful. I'm so excited about these that I, I want to make a whole series, if, if not to like enter into some sort of like design shows. Then to at least replace all the lamps in my house with, with these ones that we've made. With just the coolest lamps you've ever seen. They're really interesting. I, I don't know. I, they're interesting to me, at least. Jessica did say it's very William when she saw the picture. I don't yeah, know. We, you know. Andrew and I had、ahead. insider information at our team meeting yesterday. We were like, the lamp is very William. <laughs> Well, that's、yeah. much, much cooler and scarier than、uh, when I cut myself a couple of weeks ago, which was just me、uh, cutting a lime, trying to cut a lime wedge, not、mm. on a cutting board while on a Zoom chat. I, so I just wasn't paying attention. What it You、dumb. know what? What? Multitasking is so dangerous. It sure is. And、that's、limes? Me- so slippery. So sour. So slippery.、Um, 
That's why we're just here to uh, really focus in on a podcast and not multitask with anything else. How's that for a segue? Do it, Andrew. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Podcast. The Final Frontier. Why is it the final frontier? I've been watching a lot of Star Trek while I've been nursing my hand. That's why. Welcome to the inaugural episode of EdTech Cafe, a podcast series produced by the Educational Technology Team at Stanford School of Medicine. Our team sits at the intersection of art, science, and education, and in this space, we'll sit down with other media and production-savvy professionals to discuss how they use their talents to support science and improve educational outcomes across the globe. I'm Jessica Whittemore, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, William Bettini and Andrew Beck. I was going to try to come up with a really nice adjective, and then I didn't but you're both wonderful. Uh, today, it's, today it's no guests, just us, um, because we want to get a feel for this podcasting business, especially um, from the comfort of our own homes during COVID, and because we are media and production savvy professionals, at least some of us to some extent, uh, and I think we're interesting. So I kind of just want to start us off today. Um, William, do you want to go first and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, My name is William Bottini, and I am the creative director for Stanford EdTech, where I've been for about five years. And I'm also an artist. And this weekend, I cut my finger in half with a chisel while carving a lamp. (laughs) It's not funny. I'm okay. It's not funny at all. Everything's okay. <laughs> Everything will be okay. Yeah, William lends our creative eye. Well, you also like, you do a lot of stuff for us. William, there's well, so much more about you that you can cover right now, you know? Well, okay, you know what? I'll say this. My, my job title is creative director. And I think creative director is the if I was going to make a movie where somebody has an egotistical title for what they do <laughs> and yet they also do nothing at the same time that's what a creative director is it's like it's one of those titles that that doesn't sound like you do anything it just sounds like you're full of yourself but but that's not <laughs> at all the case with me. <laughs> but that's, that I try to make that not the case with me. I just think it's a funny title. It's a funny, funny title. Um, but uh, I basically, I, I just try to figure out what the vision is for our projects, how that works with what our team is really great at doing, our team of artists and illustrators and filmmakers, et cetera. And then, you know, work with our clients who are all faculty and uh, staff at Stanford Healthcare and Stanford Medicine, and try to make sure that everybody's everybody's happy and that we're doing something that's also really special. That's, so think, that's what I do. I think 
I think you're too humble and too much of a good, good soul to really embrace the director part of creative director, but I think it encapsulates you pretty well. Yeah, we would uh, utterly fall apart if you weren't on the team. <laughs> That's leverage, William. You also end well, up kind of being a creative multitasker in a way, too. Well, we, you know, we don't need to get into this, but I, uh, in addition to being creative director, I also don't actually directly manage anybody. So I can... <laughs> you manage I the have, vision. But I have no responsibility. <laughs> wow. Really putting yourself on a pedestal. I mean, uh, if, if managing people is the only test mark of responsibility, then... Then really none of us have responsibilities. <laughs> I would love to talk about this sometime because <laughs> I feel like the way that our team is set up is a little bit weird. Sure. And... You know, doesn't always lead to the, the best outcome. This is definitely going in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew, quick, you tell us about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> How do I follow that up? Some positivity, I guess. Um, my name is Andrew. I've been a part of EdTech since 2013. Um, Damn. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I feel feel old as hell. Um I originally came onto the team because of my background in filmmaking. So I originally joined out to help with video production and editing, which at the time was pretty much limited just to myself. Um, now I have this great team around me, you know, because I'm so blessed. Um, but <laughs> film and video has always been my bread and butter. Um, obviously, our group isn't just solely about video. We, you know, I think... Uh, I forget who it was that told this to me, but basically I, I agree that we're pretty much kind of like a mixed media group in the pure sense of the word because um, we do everything from audiobooks to motion graphics to 3D animation to podcasts. So, um, But film has always been my thing. Um, I'm often known as a film guy with my friends and family, which usually translates to just film snob. But who likes <laughs> to be called a film buff? <laughs> who likes to be called a film snob? Yeah, I, I like buff. I'm a film You're buff. buff. Yeah. I'm the skinniest buff person you've ever seen. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just li I like to say I just have a particular taste for a particular. What's your number one of movie of this year so far? You know, I was just talking about this with a movie friend. There are no good releases this year. Like, because of COVID, I think, like, everything's getting pushed back. I don't, I can't recall any single movie that I saw from this year. Um, there might be one I can think of, but it was actually released last year, but it's starting to get distribution this year, and it's called See, The that, Assist. That means you're a buff. Yeah, that's a, that's a, <laughs> <laughs> what, that's what's it called? Real knowledge of the pipeline. Um, it's called The Assistant. It's actually very timely for, um, uh for our current uh me too era um and it's basically about kind of like a it's it's a film production assistant who joins a production and she i th um she becomes like i don't know kind of like the target of uh a predator basically on set i watched that movie i'd recommend it yeah yeah Kitty Green, um, but yeah, that's 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 maybe like the only one I can think of uh, from this year. But anyway, you know, it's uh, 
I just have a particular taste for a cinema with a capital C, you know? So <laughs> it's not cinema, cinema. Um, so that's really, I mean, that doesn't obviously cover the breadth of who I am, but at least that's how my relationship to EdTech got started. That's right. Cause you also love dogs. Um, <laughs> you're also a writer for our team. Mm. Um, I was an editing. English major in college, mm-hmm. which usually Me meant too. like I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Um, so I fell back on something like that. But and yet now you have a job where you're both writing and working in film production and hosting the number one podcast in all of EdTech. That's right. Suck it, Irfan. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess I should talk about me then. Yeah. What about um, you, Jessica? Who are you? Who am I? I just became an instructional designer for our team. Um, Prior to that, I was a project manager for a couple years. Um, And I think I came to this team based on the job description, technically, just because of my um, institutional knowledge of Stanford Medicine from a few uh, previous jobs I had in different teams. Um, But since I've been here, I have really been putting both my science education, I have a background in science, um, and my knowledge of live theater. Um, I do a lot of, well, not anymore, but I do a lot of live theater in my spare time. And and pretty damn well at it too. Thanks. It's a work in progress. But so I'm now using my understanding of scripts and how to share a message um, to help edit our scripts. And I sometimes get to do fun things like this, record my voice or even act on camera. Uh, And I'm also our resident faculty acting coach, which (laughs) has been fun. Sometimes it's difficult. But you can coax a performance out of anyone. The important thing is just the meaning. I guess that's what I it's do. too bad it's too bad we can't do anything with your uh dancing skills because you do a lot of musicals and you've even I mean you've done so much dancing that you've hurt yourself if I'm not mistaken oh yeah every and dancer be, is constantly injured <laughs> it'd be great if there was like some choreographed I don't know uh like piece well, that we could do instead for of that just we would it. For that, we would also need a choreographer because dancing and creating choreography are definitely two very different totally skills. Totally different things, yeah. And I'd say I barely even have the dancing covered. Uh, okay, that's us. So what I want to do now is, since this is EdTech Cafe, we're trying this out for the, for the first time. Uh, <laughs> since we're at the cafe enjoying our tea, or our coffee, it may be time for a, for a little treat, for a treat of the day, which is... A treat of the what? A treat of the day. A treat of the treat day. Of the day. Treat, a treat of the day. A treat, a treat of the a day. Treat of the day. Treat Maybe of that day. should just be our jingle. <laughs> we should, I shouldn't even yeah. dro- I felt like you were this. joking when we were talking about it, but I'm all in. Uh, yeah, just auto-tune me. <laughs> no auto-tune. Uh, So Treat of the Day is just where we talk about something 
that is current that makes us feel good. It can either be a complaint, because complaining can make us feel good, or it can be something nutritious and positive and healthy. <laughs> and that's up to William. William, are we uh, salty or sweet today? Um, you know what? I'm going to go sweet. Whoa. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Okay. Imagine this. <laughs> Imagine. Oh, wow. Okay. You're on vacation. You go to this cute little seaside town with a drawbridge. Incredible. A drawbridge. And uh, right next to the drawbridge <laughs> is this little downtown. Hong Kong. Honk. Oh wow! It's, uh, you're really a little setting bit of the traffic scene. ambience. Yeah. Old town, old timey cars. All of these buildings—they're a little crooked, you know. They're too old, but that's what's charming about them. And in one of those buildings is a little fudge shop, where they make and sell little squares of fudge. And you go in, and you buy a fudge. That is dark chocolate caramel. Are with... you just taking treat of the day very literally? <laughs> very literally. I'm so hungry now. But with, wait for it, a little bit of salt. Just flaked all over the caramel on top of the fudge. And you buy it and you eat it and it's delicious. That's what my treat of the day vision is. Um, so, uh, we'll start with the salt. The salt is, um, in this world of zoom, zoom is exhausting. It's hard to have a good conversation with more than three people. And often as we're working on zoom or hanging out with friends on zoom, we're in a conversation with 12 people at once, something like that. And it's impossible to really know when you can speak, if anyone's going to hear you. Sometimes, you know, certain people are louder than others. I am salty towards Zoom. But the sweetness, and this is really important for education in the going forward, but also just for our social lives. The sweetness, I think, is thinking about ways in which it, in which we could do something better. Um, something that I don't know is maybe a little bit nostalgic for physical spaces where people gather where currently we can't gather. Um, and I just wanted to bring up a couple, um, examples of how people are thinking about, um, virtual meeting in a way that's different from zoom. It's been around forever. Have you guys, have either of you played, uh, um, RPGs online? like Warcraft or whatever. No, no, I'm probably the one Asian person who hasn't. <laughs> well, um, there are two things I want to bring up. One is, I'll start with this one, uh, Online Town, which Andrew uh, introduced to us a couple weeks ago. It's amazingly um, just made by three people, three uh, teenagers, they look so young, um, in San Bruno, California where they use the metaphor of a physical space, a, a town for organizing large online meetings. So if you are in a meeting with like 15 people, 
four of you can peel off and sit down at a table together separately and your conversation will be separated from the other people in your meeting. So it's essentially replicating what people naturally do when they're gathering, you know, in a party or at a conference or whatever. It's just finding a, a private space to talk more directly. And then um, what's 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 the style like of the avatars and the town itself? Because I thought that was one of the more charming aspects of it. <laughs> uh, it's like it's this primitive looking like it's like a video game. It's a top down view where your character, you move your character uh, to like these little pixel art tables and stuff. Um, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> to me, it basically felt like Pokemon. Like I was playing Pokemon again. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's exactly uh, the model that they use, or or the stylistic template um, for both like the characters and like the space. Because you you're not like you never move like diagonally. For example, you know you're moving either up right, or yeah. down, left or right, kind of a thing. And it is it, it does feel very primitive now, but it really felt it really took me back and I got real nostalgic yeah. playing it. It's really charming. And, um, you know, it, it just reminds me of uh, like web based RPG games that I would play as a teenager in the 2000s where, um, you know, if you've ever played RuneScape or World of Warcraft, the you know, the graphics are very, very bad they're very primitive there's something kind of beautiful about them in a way but you're 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 there you can customize your avatar and you know gather in little groups and chat with each other another um another platform that i started using um because of quarantine is imvu it's based in redwood city it opened in 2004 and it's been around forever. There are I, six million I people am, use it. I M V U. Yeah. For the for for any oh you don't know for any non Bay Area non acronym using you know people, you don't know what that stands for. We'll have to look it up. I have no. I tried looking it up. I have no idea what it means. Um. Yeah, it really doesn't have a. Oh, the company name was neither an acronym nor initialism. It doesn't stand for anything, according to the co-founder. <laughs> so I am IMVU is basically a, a well, it's a three D, uh, it's three D spaces, sort of like Second Life, if you've heard of that, um, where you have a, you, you can have a humanoid avatar, and the and you can customize it. Most of like the preset avatars are meant to look like sexy and you know whatever but you can customize it with your own 3d models as some people have done my friend kenton uh we hung out on imvu together and he came on uh as a 3d shrek model and, <laughs> and you must and have loved that <laughs> it was awesome and the thing that i loved about it was we were on this like you know uh lame looking hotel rooftop with a lit swimming pool and this like uh gazebo where we could hang out and we could you know you can kind of sit together you can talk via chat or via voice and we were just having fun like goofing off like 
almost in the way that you, you you know you can have physical comedy with people when you're moving around a space we ended up uh making our own play um while we were hanging out in imvu <laughs> and i guess i just wanted to bring this up the sweetness for me of of not liking zoom is finding these alternatives that are more thoughtful about things that we miss when we're not physically together like the sonic experience of of being in a space with a large number of people you know yeah. getting close to one person getting away from some other person um being uh being able to be physical and and use gestures and um and the dynamics of a space to be playful as well as just simply talking to each other i feel that going forward because this pandemic doesn't seem to be ending and i think everyone is getting exhausted of the current ways of communicating online i think that these um more playful meeting experiences with avatars and and virtual spaces are going to become um more important and i i think that is exciting and something that i would love to have stanford or other schools um, be thinking about as we think about the future of teaching and you know for all the talk that ed tech not like our group but the ed tech industry um nationwide um, for all the talk that they do about gamifying things you know and how how to make things more interactive and more fun um video conferencing I, i'm surprised hasn't really um exploded in that in that sense yeah because I mean, I, I'm still very confused, and I don't know if you guys have an answer to this. I'm still very confused as to why Zoom, uh, uh, as opposed to all these other things, became so popular. Because I remember uh, earlier um, when we started working together, we even used a platform called Appear.in, which I think they've <laughs> they've since rebranded themselves as something else. But that, I you know, in my opinion, I much preferred that over Zoom. But then you know, on an organizational level, um, even just in the in tech industry as a whole, I think everyone just started to adopt Zoom more. And that became kind of the norm, especially once quarantine um, and work from home orders started to uh, pop up. But I'm, I'm like, why Zoom feels so like on a design level, it feels almost kind of primitive, too. Um, well, and it's very complicated. Yeah. And to your intro for video conferencing, Zoom isn't really interactive because of the way it dampens sound of non-speakers uh, when they begin to speak. Right. It like sort of cuts off the beginning of what you're saying. Um, that's actually a huge problem uh, since I'm a, a theater person and all of my friends are theater people. Everyone's trying to do... Um, staged readings or do little like theater experiments online virtually so we can still get get a little theater fix um and it's very difficult if you're picking up cues um to actually have that interactive live theater experience mm. over zoom 
Yeah, um, when quarantine first happened, I mean, everyone was hosting a Zoom party. And I had probably attended maybe three or four before I realized, like, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. Because most of the time, <laughs> I'm looking at people that I don't know. Because, you know, it's usually for, like, birthday parties or something. And so I'm looking at mostly people I don't know. At the time, I wasn't even aware of the breakout room feature, but even with that available, it it was hard for me to, or it's still hard for me to kind of pull the one or two people that I know in these Zoom parties and be like, hey, you just want to have a conversation like one-on-one -on -one private or something like that, which is normally what you would do in these real life social settings. Absolutely. Let's say you're, let's say you're at a bar or um, at a club or something and it's, it's a party. I mean, you, it wouldn't be one person addressing the whole crowd. Um, <laughs> you'd want to like, right. you like see someone across the room and you're like, Hey, how's it going? And you pull them aside and you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Yeah. In fact, um, I've, I've taken that as my new rubric, except not now because we're in shelter in place, but my new rubric for if I feel like I have a fun and successful time at a party is basically if I'm able to just connect with between one and three people. <laughs> yeah. And like actually pull someone aside and have a real conversation. That's how I am like, yeah, that was a fun party. <sighs> And that has yeah. been very missing from my Zoom experiences. Yeah, I think Zoom breakout rooms is like, I think it's such a clinical dead way of of doing what we're talking about. You know, like you might do it if you're at a conference and some activity makes it is forcing everyone to split up. But that's not how real life is. Like, like Jess is saying, like I I love going to a party and finding one person to talk to, and if I need to, I'll peel off and go find somebody else. And I I rarely want to be in a in like I don't know a circle of twenty people talking at once. <laughs> Hell no, uh, unless we're doing I don't know some sort of chant uh, or yeah, ritual. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's just. Uh, I I think the thing I love about uh, online town and um, IMVU and all of this like uh, social interaction that comes from video games, online video games where you have a bunch of people together is that I I love in particular the idea that you're when you're far away from somebody you hear them less but it's not like a on off switch right like it's not like you either hear them or you don't. It's if you're far away from them, you can have your own personal conversation. But if somebody over, you know, like 30 feet away starts yelling or singing or performing something, you can go, oh, what's that over there? Let's go check it out. I feel like that like invites like personal time in, in into these meetings, but also elements of chance, you know, and surprise and 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 play. I feel like that is something that I, I feel like we need and Zoom is like allergic to to those things. I mean, the only two reactions that I can give you on my Zoom right now are applause and thumb up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? What the hell? <laughs> hey, you got to be more positive, William. Sometimes that's all you need in a in a day. We don't need no yeah. sad faces. <laughs> well, I can't clap right now, so I'll do the uh, I'll do the virtual clap.
Um, we can keep talking about Zoom, but I want to officially uh, channel us to talking about COVID-19 and uh, working from home, remote work. Zoom obviously is a huge part of that. Um, but we are used to producing media together in a physical space for the most part, except for William, who lives in New York City um, and only rarely joins us. But now we're all fully remote. How has that changed your work, how you do it? Uh, hopefully not the quality. <laughs> I've really, I've really taken ergonomic setups for granted uh, because I miss my office chair. Um, my manager Irfan he uh, suggested I just take the one from the office back here in my Jeep, which I'm reluctant to do because I don't want to do that physical work. But between my chair, between the standing desk uh, that I used to have, I mean, all those things, I. I I don't know. Something's got to change in my office right now because I'm I mean, getting like back pain, neck pain. Right now, you're literally kneeling on the floor to record this, right? Yeah. If, if our <laughs> listeners could see the see the innovative setup that I have here in this FedEx cardboard box with pillows around me, <laughs> you know, they really think we're special. I I mean, Andrew, I think you should definitely go get your your uh, chair. I right when shelter in place happened, I went to the office and grabbed, I have a balance board um, that I stand on that helps, it like keeps me moving. So that helps my low back. And I've had that and my keyboard and my mouse this whole time. And I can't imagine how I'd be feeling if I didn't. Although my eyes are definitely, my eyes just feel like they're gonna fall out of my head. My left one is always twitching because I'm just staring at a screen all day and my long distance vision never gets a workout. Do you ever uh, pop on those uh, computer glasses? Yeah, I wear them, but I probably need new ones. They're getting scratched or they are scratched because they're old, but I can't go to a store to get them. I have a post-it note above my monitor that says 202020. It's my rule for maintaining my eye health, which is every 20 minutes, look at something that's at least 20 feet away for 20 seconds. Mm. Um, because, yeah, like, I mean, having worked from home now for two years, I've had to learn over time how to, um, you know, remember to take breaks, to stand up, to exercise. Uh, but I, I love this. My eyes. I love the specificity because when I, if I if I just tell myself, okay, you need to take more breaks, what I end up doing is just going from my laptop screen to my phone screen, or I turn <laughs> on the TV or something. And yeah, go from at bad screen to good screen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> big screen to little screen. Um, and yeah, that that's really important. I mean, um, just looking out your window for once, or yeah. you know. Uh, taking a walk and staring off into the distance or something. William, do you find that you're successful with the 202020? And if so, how long did it take you to get to that point? I'm pretty successful, I would say. Luckily, I have a window next to my desk so I can look at the ramen shop across the street. <laughs> um, <laughs> in other cases, I think what's hard for me is um, uh, standing up and stretching when I need to. 
because you know a lot a lot of my i mean all of my work happens at the computer um and all a lot of my creative work that i do um outside of work also happens on the computer and when I am in inspired, I can just get locked into this chair and not move for like four hours, which is terrible. So that's the thing I have more trouble with. Maybe I need to come up with a like a aphorism or some kind of mantra for that too. I mean, do you ever um, feel a lack of ways to stretch and you know, like keep your body moving, kind of a thing? Well, so I tried to solve to, that. Do you get creative? I have a desk that can become a standing desk. So most of the time in the afternoon, I will work standing up and I have like, I have that preset in here. I feel like it's a, like just having part of my day being standing, uh, standing only is really helpful. I have some weights. So in, in our long and boring zoom meetings that we have, I will sometimes just stand up and, and do some exercise while other people are talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I then, use that time to roll out. I oh yeah, roll out my forearms and my hands and wrists. I use that time the to other stretch thing, out my legs on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that we've started doing um, at my apartment is after work, we all in we all clear all the furniture out of the living room, and we do we follow along to some exercise videos for like. 30 to 45 minutes, like every day of the week. And that's been really helpful. So, you know, that it's, it's hard to deal with all of this physical constriction, but, but there are ways to work with it, you know? Ooh, let's talk a little about, um, how our work has changed, how like the, the uh, products that we're making have changed. They're not products. Why did I use that word? Uh, like for instance, we um, have a, a course for Q-centered therapy that originally uh, was going to have a series of live vignettes, on-screen vignettes using actors. Um, and we've switched from that since we can't bring a film crew together. Thank God. Um, we've <laughs> switched to an audiobook. I mean... You're yes, actually, you're right. Like I was dreading uh, scheduling those those things, finding child actors. That was a whole mess. I'm glad we switched. We're yeah. doing an audiobook for the first time, um, yeah. which has been fun because Andrew and I have gotten to write some prose, uh, which we don't normally get to do. Having an actor record voiceover for that it's so soothing to listen to and i've like mm -hmm. never seen anything like that in a course i'm really excited about that yeah i um i i mean i remember in early april um kim our manager uh brought this up to me talking about how how can we reformat this course which was originally video based to be something that we can all do while working remotely for who knows how long. And I, I think that the choices that we've, we've made to make this an audio book that, that has beautiful illustrations and um, occasional animations, uh, which is all web-based, 
I feel like it's really been um, a, a gift in a way because, like you said, we're trying something new. Um, I think that the ability to do iterative design on all of what we're making is really important, and it's much harder to do that with a video. Almost and, impossible. And, yeah, and, and yet it also... <laughs> It's also sort of like inevitable because our faculty always come back with big and small changes that they want along the way. Um, and, and it's just it's a it's forced us to try something different. Um, and I think that what we're going to find in a couple months when we've released this is I, I bet we're going to make a better product that is going to perform better than our videos which already perform really well and i think that we're also as a team going to be happier with the result um you know I, with with a lot of our video projects it it's such a long process to make a, a a video course it can be over a year and then by the time it's done like do you even want to watch it i think that's sort of the attitude <laughs> I, I i yo i honestly think like I think that there's some crazy fatigue doing these video projects that just makes makes parts of our team like just tired. I don't want to watch it. I'm and I'm already on to the next thing. So I think we're I think it's going to be a really pleasant surprise when we finish this. As a video yeah. guy, I have to say I quite emphatically agree. Um, <laughs> there's also like rarely a point when uh, we're trying all these different types of media there's rarely a point where we collapse to the floor, like at the end of a long, long film shoot, just sometimes just out of complete exhaustion. And, you know, the, the product or the, the result that comes out of it is, I mean, sometimes I would even say the stuff we do with motion graphics, with audio only uh, formats are even better than um, the live video projects that we work on. So... Yeah, you know. I, I don't think that the changes we're making during shelter in place, they don't mean that we're never going to do live video again, but forcing us to pause and reflect on video use in this one course really opened up some new possibilities for us that we'll be able to also consider in future instead of live video just being perhaps our default for certain vignettes. Hopefully that doesn't mean I will be out of a job soon. Oh, no, no. People still want to be on camera. <laughs> and they still want to listen to our voices, right? So. Well, hopefully. Yeah. Um, this has been fun. And I hope that our... Thank you, audience, for uh, dealing with our, our at-home recording. To the 30 million listeners tuning in right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Um, enjoying our ambient truck sounds. No leaf blowers today, so that's always nice. Um, but this has been EdTech Cafe. Please like, subscribe, and review our podcast. Join us next time when we'll have some guests and actually do some interviewing. Mm. How does that sound? Mm. Fantastic. Can I, uh, can I get some music in here? <laughs> there it is. 
Or maybe we should also make an EdTech Cafe. This is the outro. EdTech Cafe. This is the outro. Yeah, you know? EdTech Cafe. The outro. Yo. Oh god, let's stop ourselves right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start singing Goodbye Horses. We lost We lost all, our, all 30 million listeners. If our 30 million listeners can't deal with us singing a little bit, they, didn't, they were never with us to begin with.